Okay, Rabbi Sai, starting Daf Memtes, the new parak. So the, the, the Mesechta is going to veer over here just to understand language because it's important to, under, to see that when a person says a language and there's some ambiguity in the words that they use, so we have to know what they're including in the nether and what they're not including in the nether. Sometimes it's not always so clear. So we're going to have many terms that are used by people. We're going to go through them one by one. What is this word included? And what does that word include? And how specific is this term? You know, it's back and forth with that. But ultimately, the big rule is one thing and one thing only. That it's all about the vernacular. It's all about the way that people speak. And what matters here when a person says a nether is not what they are personally thinking. If a person subjectively thinks one thing when they're saying a word, but usually the word is used by the native people around him to mean something else, then you're going to go after the way that the words are usually used, not by the, by not by the personal and subjective intent of the person who says it. That's one big rule. And the second big rule is sometimes that that can even transcend the words in the Torah. So even if we find that biblically a word is used in a certain way, but if that's not the way that the people use it, that's not what's going on by the people, then that's not going to be effective when you make a nether. Nether is very practical, very relevant by the way that the words sound. So the Mishnah says, Somebody who takes a neder, he says, I'm asr on all foods which are mavushal. So what's the connotation of bishal? Bishal is that something is cooked. Cooking in halacha means that it was cooked through water. That's the key. In other words, not cooked through an open fire, but a man, something boiled in hot water. That's the key. So therefore, mutter batzali, he's allowed to eat roasted food. He could have something on the grill. No problem, because that's a different term. That's sli. U bishalak. Now, what is shalak? Shalak, there's a machlekes or rishonim, what shalak means. Some rishonim hold that shalak, usually in the Torah, for example, means overcooked. But here, contextually, it seems that the rishonim tell us, the rift and farish, here, that it means food which is actually rare, undercooked food. So when people say a cooked food, they're not including something which is rare, even though you could definitely have, you know, it seems a little bit funny, right? Because you could have a rare food which is boiled as well. But usually the term of mavushal specifically includes foods which are cooked to the regular state. And undercooked food would not be included. A second term, unam konim tavshil shanita. The person here says, says that I'm not going to have a tavshil. So the question is, what is a tavshil? So if you just translate the word literally, mamish, literal, it means a cooked food. So you would say, it means any cooked food, right? What's the difference whether it's mavushal or tavshil? It sounds the same. But we're going to see this in coming, just foreshadowing what the Gemara is going to say. Tavshil means specifically a food that's eaten with bread. That's what a tavshil means. It's kind of like, and, and it's hard for us in our, in our, in our diets and our cuisine to relate to this because what does that mean? It's a type of food which is eaten with bread. What do you eat with bread? You know, like certain dips or, you know, cheeses or whatever, but not most foods we don't eat with bread. But back in the day, the imams ate everything with bread. That was like the key. Now we'll see, not everything mamish, but most foods, most cooked foods were meant to be eaten with bread. They used to have very little of the food and a lot of the bread. That was the way that they ate. So if a guy says he's not going to eat the tafshul, the connotation of tafshul is a cooked food, but any type of cooking. And the point here is that it goes with the bread. So therefore, also for my sake, any, any type of food which has certain sauce to it, anything which is rach. Rach means that literally soft, but the point is that it's, it's got a little sauce. It's got something you can like kind of dip in, put your bread with, it makes sense to eat it with bread. So if it's going to make sense to eat it with bread, it would go with the bread, so then you're also on it. But a thick, a, a thick, solid food, that doesn't make sense. Now, you might be thinking, what do I mean? What about a schnitzel sandwich, right? What about my, you know? Again, that's not the way that they ate. The point is they're looking to use the bread to dip, like think about it like dipping, more like that. You know, something that's got a little sauce, like then it makes sense. So if you had like a thick porridge, 
So it depends. If it's got some runniness in it, you might eat it with bread. But if you've got like a, 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 a glob kind of porridge or like a pancake kind of thing where no one's going to dip their bread in, so then you're going to be muttering it. But if a baits are tumuta, a termuta egg, or a glass, or a mutza, or a mutza gourd, these are, so the more we'll talk exactly what's, what's specific about these types of eggs and types of gourds. But the point of them is that we'll see in the Gemara, they are not usually eaten with bread. All right, the third term here. Hanoider mi maisa kedera. I'm going to also on myself. The guy says anything literally prepared in a pot. So what does it mean prepared in a pot? I mean, if it goes into a pot, then it is also, what does it mean? So again, we go after the way that the words are used. In Something which needs to be boiled for a long time. In other words, a maisa kadera means, ah, that was something that the pot did a good job to. That's the way you would say it. Not something a regular cooked food, but something which requires an extensive process of cooking. So there are certain types of things that are like that. I think one, one of them which might re- you know, resonate with us is rice. Certain types of very hard of those grains or different types of grains that really need to be broken down well by the boiling process. They don't cook easily. Those are called mimaisa hakadeira. That's what the pot did a good job to. So that's what the term there. That's the third one. And then we get to the final one here. Amar konim hayori Somebody says whatever goes into the pot. It's not like a specific terminology. It's just whatever goes into a pot, I will not benefit from. Then, then he's taka aser more in the literal sense. And any food which is cooked in a pot, even if it only requires a regular minimal cooking, nothing, spe- nothing special, you would be aser on all of those things. So let's make a summary of what we had in the Mishnah and then we'll jump into the Gemara. There are four different terms that, we, that we're looking at. One of them is mevushal. Anything which is mevushal, that means something which is specifically prepared through hot water. In that case, your mutter on roasted food and undercooked food, they are not included. Then there's a term called a tavshil. Tavshil specifically means something prepared, but it's meant to be eaten with bread. So therefore, he's also to eat anything that has a certain runniness to it. But if it's just a thick glob, then taka, he's mutter to it. And the examples that the Mishnah gives are a certain egg or a certain gourd, which we'll see more about in the Gemara. The third term was a, a something that a pot prepared. A something that the pot prepared, that refers specifically to things that require extensive boiling, like the rice and the millet that require a lot. The fourth term of anything which goes into a pot is also something than anything which goes into a pot. I mean, it's not so complicated in that one. That's more literal. So Zak the Gemara Tanya says in a bride, so we start off, we were speaking that if someone asked with themselves to the Mavushal, then they're mutter to something which is roasted. Zak the Gemara, not everybody agrees. Rabbi Yoshi Oisa, Rabbi Yoshi holds that roasted foods as well are included in Mavushal, and you can't eat the roasted foods if you made an edible of Mavushal. Obviously, even though there's no concrete proof. To this, to this idea, he brings an allusion to it from the Pasuk. What does the Pasuk say? So it's a Pasuk in Divrei Hayyamam, Pasuk in Navi, and it's talking about the, car, the carbon Pasach, and it says, Vayivashlu Apasach, Vayish Kamishbat. They cooked, Vayivashlu, they cooked the carbon Pasach in fire as the Halacha is. Now, what does the Torah say to do to a carbon Pesach? Parsha's bow. How do I cook a carbon Pesach? What does the Pesach say? Do not eat it, Mavushal. You can only eat it roasted, the Pesach says. Carbon Pesach has to be eaten roasted. So that's why, we know, for example, today, where we don't have a carbon Pesach, what's the big minog on Seder night? We don't eat any roasted foods, lest somebody think that we're eating the carbon Pesach, right? That's why only the boiled chicken on Seder night. We don't eat any roasted chicken. You just have it on the Seder plate, you look at it, but you don't eat it. So here it says in the Pesach that what are they doing? 
They're cooking the Pesach. By Vashu as a Pesach, they're at the fire the way they're supposed to do. What do you mean? If Bishel only refers specifically, it only connotes someone cooking through, through, the, through the medium of hot water, then what does that mean that they're cooking the carbon Pesach? Must be that the term of Bishel is not exclusive to hot water. Bishel could also include roasting as well. So it's a machlokas. So our Tana said Bishel only includes hot water and does not include roasted items. You see from this Pasuk in Devar Yaman that it could. He says, if you want to define the terminology when it comes to vow, then you look at in, in the Torah, you look in the Bible, and if you find that a word refers to a specific thing, then that's the meaning of the word. If it's used that way in the holy tongue right there in, the, in Tanakh, then that's what it is. Whereas our Tanah holds, it doesn't make a difference the way you find it in a Pasuk. It's about the way the people use it. And people use Bishol to the exclusion of roasting. It only is when it's cooked in hot water. And therefore, you're mutter to the roasted things. That's the pshat and the machlok. It's like the marlo. Because we don't want to say that. Because it's very tough to say that by Nadarm, you don't follow the way that people speak. You only follow the way the Torah says it. Because, I mean, it, it's about what a person, what the words mean. So, of course, by vows, everybody agrees. You go, ever, go after the way people commonly use them. However, classic Gemara, there's really no dispute. One person is simply reporting the way that the words are used in his local community, and someone else is reporting the way the way the words are used in his community. In the in the location of our tana, let's sleep late sleep. If it's roasted, it's called sleep. Something cooked in hot water is called mavosho. They don't mix and match those terms. In the location of mavosho, even something which was roasted, they would include in the term of mavosho. So really, there's no machlokas at all. There's simply it depends upon the local minog, and that's where. You're gonna start. We're gonna start getting used to this. This is gonna be the theme, really, the next couple of weeks, where we're just figuring out, in certain locations, what the word, what the, the way the words are used. So, frankly, Gemara, the obvious question: If Rabbi Oshia was just reporting the way the word was used in his location, then what was he doing, quoting the pasuk? Is bit we're coming out that has nothing to do with the fact that the pasuk never said it the way. He was just reporting the way it was used. So, wasn't he coming off a pasuk? Says Gemara, It was just a support from the pasuk. Simply, he was really bringing. That's the way the people spoke. By him, when they spoke, they said Bishel and they included roasted. That's all, that's all that it meant. Okay, very good. The next thing that we, now we go and analyze the second term. The second term was Tavshil. What was Tavshil? Meant anything prepared that's eaten with bread. So first the Gemara doesn't understand. So like someone just studying language would probably be very, very, very confused. Mavushal means something cooked specifically in hot water. So why is Tavshil, which is the same root, just it sounds like something more and like a noun, you know, it's like the, the Tavshil. Why is that now something only eaten with, with bread? So this time of our Mishnah holds that anything eaten with bread, Tavshil That is part of the term of Tavshil. Mavushal, yes, Mavushal means through hot water. Tavshil, interestingly enough, means anything eaten with bread. So now we are going to support that, even though sometimes Vatanya means a question. In this context, Vatanya means in a support. Vatanya, it's like what was said in a Brisa. I know that Tavshil, someone who makes a net that he's not going to eat any Tavshil. Also, Tavshil, he can't have Tavshil. Also, it could, it could be it's roasted, it could be it's undercooked, it could be it's cooked. It doesn't make a difference. It's also on anything which will go to bread. Also, Behaviosrakos, even, even uh, very soft young squash could theoretically be eaten in bread. So that's a good example of complexity. If you have a squash which is cooked, 
Is it eaten with bread? So what's the tarot? It depends how soft, how tender that inside that squash is. Is it something that's going to be runny a little bit? It will be eaten with bread. If it's just hard, you know, like a gourd, like a pumpkin, you know, then it's going to be hard for it to be eaten with the bread. So, so it's also even on the young squash. What's the reason? And the sick people eat their bread with this squash. So what do we see? We see that the reason it's called tafshel is because the sick people eat their bread with it. So it's a raya that what? It's a raya that the term of tafshel depends whether people are eating their bread together with it. Fine. Now the Gemara is going to go on a little bit of a tangent. We clearly have proven that tafshel means eating with bread, but along the way we learned that sick people are eating their bread with tender squash. Zogti Gemara ini, is this true? For Abirmi Yachalash, Abirmi once was sick, a doctor came to cure him. He sees one of these squash that's lying in the house. So Shav gave enough, like he left Rebimah, he goes outside. In other words, he's trying to say, I can't deal with this patient. Omar, the doctor said, Malach This guy keeps the angel of death right next to him. And then he calls me and I should go in and heal him. What he means to say is that he's a fool. If he's got the squash around, which kills you, which is very bad for your illness, then he's a fool. I can't I don't go and, and deal with fools. That's basically what the doctor was saying. So it turns comes out from this story, from this anecdote, that squash is not something which is good for sick people. So what the Gemara was asking is why was the price of talking about sick people dipping their squash, dipping their bread in squash, if squash is actually harmful to the illness? So the Gemara says, Lo depends whether it's a soft squash. If it's soft, then it's good for the health, for the sick person. If it's a hard squash, then it's not good. Says the Gemara, second explanation, one is talking about the squash itself. In other words, he came in and he was he saw the whole thing. The bride was talking about the insides. The insides of the squash can be good. The insides of the squash can be cooked with silka. Silka we know from the Rosh Hashanah night. Silka is leek. Right? That's one of the simanim, uh, which are good. So if you, kick, you, if you cook the inside of the squash, not the outside part, but the inside, like the seedy part, if you cook that together with leek, then it is good. So the main outer flesh, that's no good. That's what the mal- that's like the malachamavis for the sick person. But the inside seedy part, that's the part which is good. You cook it with a little bit of uh, leek, it's very good. The Amr of Yehuda, Lulivi de Krabasilka, Lulivi de Kisna, Bekusna, inside of flax, should be eaten with kutach. Kutach, was a cheese dip that they used to eat in, uh, in Bava. They used to have a little moldy bread, a little cheese. It was like a whole specialty um, of a dairy dish. So if you have a little bit of flax, like you know, today they have flaxseed, right? everyone eats flaxseed, but the Mara's talking about mamash, they're thinking of the little flaxseed and putting it in the kutach, that's also very good for, to heal a person. However, we cannot disclose this information. You can't tell the ignorant people about this. Why? Only allow sophisticated Torah scholars to be aware of this knowledge. Don't spread this. Don't disseminate this information. Why is that? Because what are you going to do? People, what they're going to do is that they're going to uproot all of the flax before they could be harvested. They're going to uproot the gourds, these, uh, these squash before they're harvested, only because they want the inside. And that, that basically, it's like a very... It's like a shallow thing to do. If you hear that there's something very good about flaxseed, what are you going to do? You only care about getting the seed. So instead of allowing the plant to fully develop and harvest and being used for the many other benefits that it might be besides you know, medicines and this and that, people are going to go crazy and only go for the seeds, get the seeds, and then deal with them. So the closest, the closest analogy that we have for this is that like, there are literally like, you know, like juices. Like this, this is what our industries have turned in, right? Instead of waiting for everything to be produced and be done you know, for that, so we have entire uh, orchards which are only devoted to making juice. 
So that's exactly, kind, obviously it's only a mashal, but it's a little bit, the Gemara is saying is that sometimes you got to be careful. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made flax, which has all, in, in so many different benefits and values, but the, you know, the business guys hear about flax seeds being good that for, that, for the sick, and they're always going to make only for the seeds, and the whole industry is only for that, and then you know, there's going to be a shortage of flax in the world that people all, that's Basically, you got to share, don't share this information with the ignorant. Says the Gemara, Rav Amar, another idea, a very different upshot. And the that we've been struggling to understand, right? Is the squash good for the sick or bad for the sick? So now the Gemara gives a whole different shot. Rav Amar, man cholin the Rav we say it's good for the sick, we mean Torah scholars. So there's a general idea that Torah scholars are not sick like there's an illness, but they're sick like they're weak. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, very famous Gemara, Torah Mateshes Koycha Shaladim. So the Rishonim reference this Gemara with that Gemara, meaning to say that our Gemara is saying that Torah scholars are generally like weaker. So they don't have an illness, but their weakness needs to be, they need to supplement, they don't have a lot more supplements in their diet. That's where it's good to eat their bread with the squash. It's good for the Torah scholars. But for someone with an illness, like a specific kind of sickness, that's where it's actually bad, like in the story with the doctor in Herbiermia. And the Gemara shows us where we see that Torah scholars can be called sick. In whose opinion do we daven for the Ksiri and the Marie? So Ksiri and Marie are just different terms for sick. So we'll talk about in a second what his question is. And he says, we're going like Rabbi Yossi. I'll come back to in a second what the question was. Who do we daven for the Ksiri and the Marie? Who is it like Rabbi Yossi? But the point that the Gemara wants for, just for us, what are the two terms? What are the two terms? It's sick and sick. It's, two, it's the same thing. It must be there are two different types of sick people. There's, there's Ksiri who have a literal illness. Marie, people means in general, who are weak, must be a reference to the Rabbanon, who are weakened physically from the Torah learning. Okay. So now, Rabbi Latime, that he, you know, we've seen that the Torah scholars are called weak. Now, what's this Shaila? This is a fascinating Shaila. Who do we daven for sick people? What the Gemara is asking is that there's a machlekes in Rosh Hashanah when a person is, in the Sechus Rosh Hashanah, how often does a person judge? One opinion says, he judged Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and then, you know, everything was already set in stone. And then another opinion, Rabbi Yossi says, no, a person is judged specifically every single day. What's going to happen every single day? There's a judgment from Hakadosh Baruch. So the shaila is, what's the purpose in davening? Why should I daven Rosh Hashanah Kippur? I understand why I should daven, but after Rosh Hashanah Kippur, what's the purpose of davening? If there's been a gzardin, there's been a decree which is already set in stone. So whatever is set in stone is set in stone. So what's the purpose of prayer? So the Gemara says it depends what type of prayer you're dealing with. But if you're specifically dealing with something like, oh, I want a refuah or somebody to get better, or somebody's weak, somebody's ill, that they should get better, it doesn't make sense to daven in the opinions of Rameir and Rabbi that a person is judged on Rosh Hashanah. It only makes sense in accordance with the view of Rabbi Yossi that a person is judged every single day. Now, this is obviously a very difficult concept. The way to bring out the kasha, Taisus asks, he says, I don't understand. Frek Taisus, did, did, did Rameir and Rabbi Yehuda not have the nusach of Shemayin Esrei? Shemayin Esrei, it says, Rafainu, it says, Baruch Aleinu. It's full. So Taisus says an unbelievable chiddush. One of the chiddushim of Taisus is that, is that it depends, and there's a power of a tzibor, a tefillah in a tzibor, to overcome a gzardin. So meaning to say, the whole question of the Gemara is that only if one is davening privately. If one is davening with a tzibor, then it's not a good question. Because even according to Rameir and Rabbi Yehuda, it's very possible that there was a gzardin on Rosh Hashanah, but the power of a tzibor, a tzibor can overturn that. So then we understand. The Gemara means, who, like, who should a person daven even in private every single day to overcome an illness? And in that, the Gemara is saying it only makes sense according to Rabbi Yossi. However, that still leaves us with a very difficult conclusion, that in private, your tzibor will never be effective to overturn what was already set in stone on Rosh Hashanah. 
So the, one, the Maisa, you have to see the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. At one approach from the Gemara, the very end of the Gemara, Rabbi Yitzchak says that any Gzardin can be overturned even from its Tzvilas Yachid. So Taisa says that we pass him like that Teretz of the Gemara. So, and, and it's very interesting because the later Achronim after Taisa said, they are adamant that we pass him like that Teretz of the Gemara. Let this not remain a suffix. Everyone should know when they learn this Gemara that that's not the way we pass him. Do not think that the entire role of prayer is only according to Rabbi Yossi. It's a very difficult conclusion that only Rabbi Yossi would hold that a person should daven because they're going to else it's worthless. Avada, we don't pass him like the Gemara we just read. We pass him like the conclusion of the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah that even an individual prayer can overturn Exardin in any moment. But Lamaisa, the Gemara as we have it, seems to be saying that only according to Rabbi Yossi is there uh, an effective point of tefillah. The other shayla, which is maybe for a different time, is that if Rabbi Yossi were judged every single day, so why is there a point on making Rosh Hashanah so special? Right? Rosh Hashanah, every day is a Rosh Hashanah then. Right? Well, is there something more significant about the first of the year, according to Rabbi Yossi, if a person is really judged every single day? Okay, Vaiter, what did we say? We said that a person, when on the top show, that goes with the... Uh, that goes with, with, the, with the foods that go with the bread. So we said that it depends if the porridge is thick or thin. If it's thin, it's runny, then he eats with bread, it's also. If it's thick, then it's not eaten with the bread, and therefore you're mutter. So says the like our Mishnah is not like the way people in Bava. People in Bava, they used to eat thick porridge with bread. Now, thick porridge may not be exactly bread, but it's essentially a bread-like substance. That's what, that's what it is. They would eat basically double-layer bread. The Amar Rebzeira, the foolish Babylonians. You know what they do? When they're looking for bread, when they're looking for a sandwich, they put bread as in the middle. They have a layer of bread right underneath the bread. They're a bunch of foolish Babylonians. They don't understand cuisine. The way the cuisine is meant, what is cuisine? Cuisine is that you put the, the staple, the bread, to fill you up, and then you give a different taste. And then the contrast in the taste is what's able to make you enjoy, right? But those bubble fools, they don't get it, Abzeira says. I have to say, a very difficult idea, this Reb and then doing this, Babylonians eat the bread with the bread, and it's Israel, they don't, they're foolish, they're not foolish, now it's a nafkamina, la halacha. If a person said they're usher on tafshil, are they usher on the thick porridge? The Mishnah says they are, but above all, if a person said it, he'd be, he would be a taka be usher on the thick porridge, because in Bavl, they eat the thick porridge with bread. So you have to know one, you said, it's a bit of a drush, but this types of Gemara need the drush, is that, it's really all a reference to Torah. The Gemara says that Reb Zera, uh, the Gemara Bavamitzia says that Reb Zera was from Bavel and he left and he went to Eretz Yisrael and he prayed, he fasted for 40 days that he should forget all of his Torah of Bavel. He was very upset at the way that Torah was being taught in Bavel. He said to Eretz Yisrael, I want a fresh start. What's the Indian? So the Indian of Bavel is that it's, 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 it's very heavy in substance. You ever learn Talmud Bavel? Nothing's light. What do we mean nothing's light? You just throw everything all together. There's a little bit of psukim, there's a little bit of tanakh, there's a little bit of drasha, there's agarita, there's lomdus, there's halacha. It's all just thrown together. That's why it's called bavel. It's called mixed up. It's all just throw all the substance together. For example, Taisa in Kedushin says, really a person should have a seder in Tanakh, a seder in Mishnah, and a seder in Gemara. Taisa says, well, us who study Talmud Bavli, it's everything just in there. It's all in the Gemara. It's all in the Gemara. That was the approach. Reb Zeyra was very upset about that. Reb Zeyra wanted to fast to overturn because it gets confusing. You don't know where psukim are. You don't know how to, quick, how to accurately source things, piece things together. It's very difficult. It's just all heavy in the substance, basically. 
So that's kind of what the muscle is, is that we don't understand how to keep things separate by us. It's just, you throw it all together. It's all the bread. It's all the heavy substance. And it's a straw with the fine cuisine, the appreciation of the palate, how it goes in, how to digest something. You have your substance, but you also have something that contrasts it, that layers it nicely. You got something in the middle that tastes very different. You have a little seder and mishnai is different than your seder of substance. That's the way it works out. Bavel, Ramsayer says they're a bunch of fools. They think bread goes with bread. They don't get that sometimes you need to diversify and have contrasts and different types of ideas. Anyways, bottom line is, is that Argomar is saying that le'awacha, there's a difference between whether you're in Bavel and Eretz Yisrael and you ask yourself on Tafsha. If you're in Eretz Yisrael, you're going to be allowed to eat the thick porridge in Bavel because the foolish Babylonians eat bread with bread. Therefore, you're going to be Aser on the thick porridge as well. So is very technical. from Bavel. He says, Someone's got to go over to the to the restaurants in Hutzel and ask the, the chef the following question. This porridge that we eat with the bread, what type of uh, what what's the best way to eat it? If I have a porridge that comes from wheat, should I eat the wheat porridge with the wheat bread? and barley porridge with barley bread? At least they have a tiny bit of contrast. At least they have the wheat porridge with barley bread and barley porridge with wheat bread. You've got to ask the local chef what's the way to do it. Says the Gemara, comments, Rava used to eat his bread with a porridge. It was a flour. It was made from, uh, it was like a, a grain which was dried out in the oven. Grains which are dried out extensively have a certain sweetness to them. A little bit more sweeter at the end if they're dried out in the oven. Instead of it, they, they lose their moisture and then they dry out. They have a little sweetness to them. Maybe a little granola, something like that you can uh, start thinking about. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Rabbi he was eating this daisa dish with his fingers. He was not using any fork, any spoon, nothing. Just with his fingers. So, why are you eating with your hands? You have to, you have to, it's very interesting. You have to use your fingers. It gives it a sweetness. Because even more with two fingers, and certainly with three fingers. Very, very difficult idea. But it seems as if like the idea is that the sense of touch is somehow affecting the tent, the sense of taste. Of, uh, very, very, I don't have much to say. I don't understand what the Gemara really is saying here. Says the Gemara, If you're ever invited to eat this daisa, this porridge, ad parsa. Okay, if it's the meal, you know, if someone invites you to have a meal of daisa, if it's close, if it's convenient, it's within a parsa away, so then you why not go eat. But the mechal bishra the tour of the you invited to a nice flesh of that's got meat, then not to us a parson. It's worth it to go three parsa. So meaning the point that they're saying is the basic takeaway here is that the porridge didn't get great. Right? It's considered basically like bread. It's pretty basic. You don't travel that far for it. You need the extra sweetness in there. But I have a good piece of meat, you go further for it. Says the Gamar Malay Rabla Khibarevahina the Rabba Bray. After you eat anything, you shouldn't spit in front of your Rebbe. Meaning, generally, spitting is something that a person needs to do from time to time, especially in the olden times in the Gemara. But it's still ultimately a disgusting thing a little bit. And therefore, it's disrespectful to do it in front of the Rebbe. So when you have something you ate, try not to spit in front of the Rebbe. Unless you ate squash or the dice or the porridge. There, if the urge comes to spit, you better do it. It's like a person ate a piece of lead. Just as a piece of lead, obviously, is not going to digest. Sometimes the porridge and the squash are indigestible, and therefore it's very important that you spit 
to aid in the digestive process. I feel like Hamishavar Malkopolit, even if you're standing in front of a king, King Shopper. King Shopper, he wasn't so bad to the Jews, but he was some sort of from the, the later Persians, not the Persians that we have the earlier ones, like Achashverosh, but the later Persian times who were there in the times of the Gemara and Bavel, so they had to respect the, you know, the monarch a little bit more. Even if you're in front of King Shopper, you should be careful to spit. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudah. Once it happened, there were two times, Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Yudah. They were eating daisa out of the bowl. Chada said, that's what so one was using his fingers. The Chada, one guy was using a piece of a tree, meaning like a twig, like a piece of, uh, you didn't have again, no one had a spoon. So he was, one person was using his fingers, one, one was, was using like a bark. The one eating with the bark said to his fingers, how long are you going to feed me with your, with your dirt? Right? In other words, a person, their fingers have like, or, or they're under the nails, maybe there's some dirt. So it's getting into the food. So why? It's disgusting. You're getting that into my food. The one eating with the fingers said to the one eating with the bark, but you're, you're, you're going to be feeding me your spit. In other words, there's some saliva which gets, when you put it in your mouth, it gets stuck. There's a little saliva when you put it in, and then and then and then it goes back in. So the chayr is tiny would be the same if it was a if it was a spoon, right? In other words, it's, they're eating out of the same bowl. That's the point. So they, they weren't happy with each other. Says the Gemara, review the Rabbi Shimon Isaac Lukamayabulufsin. Once there are certain types of Belufsin, uh, which are certain types of figs that were brought in front of Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Yudah ate them, the figs, Rabbi Shimon didn't eat them. Amalek, Rabbi Yudah, my time, why are you not eating? Amalek, Rabbi Shimon says, because they never come out, meaning they're so hard to digest, so they go in, but they don't go out, so I don't want to eat them. Amalek, Rabbi Yudah, it's better to eat it, because then we'll have what to be nourished from tomorrow. They never leave the body, then it's good. So they have to speak out going into Pshat in this. Yeah, and we'll see and come in the couple of new stories. Reptafron was very rich. He was a very, very rich coin. Everybody gave him a lot of stuff. Rebuto was extremely impoverished. So they, but that's always the approach that the Gemara in Shabbos actually speaks about with certain types of beers. Gemara, you know, everyone knows Baltashkas, right? You don't waste. But the Gemara in Shabbos has an Indian, Baltashkas of a person's guf. That you have the same way you don't waste food. What is batashkas? Batash doesn't mean waste. It's the wrong. I can. It's like a pet peeve. It doesn't mean waste. Batash means don't destroy, don't harm. So the Gemara says the most important type of batashkas on your goof. Eat healthy, be healthy. And that's the most important type. But the Gemara there says, and this is what the, it seems Pshat and Rav Yudah is, that for a poor, poor for a poor person that is their health. That's all unfortunately part of their tzara. But sometimes it's more important that they eat in a non-healthy way as long as food is going in and it will nourish them longer. So if you're a rich person, you have a lot of different foods and different options, so you look for the things that, 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 that are more healthy and beneficial and, and digest easier. But if you're poor, then you think about tomorrow's meal. So actually, for a Yehuda, the more important thing is that he eats something which does not digest. Says the Gemara. All right, so we mentioned Rabbi Yudah twice over here that he ate, you know, with his fingers and now that he's eating the figs. So we get more about Rabbi Yudah. Rabbi Yudah, he's a commentator of Tafan. He was once in front of Rabbi Tafan. You're shining today. You're happy, right? What's going on? I saw that yesterday your servants went to the field of Elon and they brought to me some beets. We'll eat them even without salt. We'll eat the beets with salt, and we would have been even happier. So basically, they had a change in the diet. Somebody brought me some good beets, and that's why I'm happy today. Says the Gemara, there was once a noble woman who said to Rabbi Yehuda, and she said, like, not in a good way. She said, You look like a drunk. So why, why was she accusing him of being drunk? Because he looked happy. His face was like shining. So he looked like there was the, you know, the rosy cheeks of a drunk. 
So she said, if you, how can you paskin if you're drunk? So Amalai, he said, by the honor of you, by you, this woman, I'm, I promise, I only have wine by Kiddush Abdallah for Abakazi the Pesach and the four cups of Seder night. And after I drink the four cups of wine, I have to totally, you know, like, like has like some sort of headaches that he gets. So he used to like close his, the temples of his head. Like, you know, he was like walking around with one of those like uh, massagers for the temples, meaning he had a headache until Shavuos. That's what he was saying. So very, very interesting. He's trying to say, and I drink after the four cups, after the Seder, my headache doesn't go away until Shavuos. So he's saying, it's not because it's I'm drinking wine, woman. That's not what's going on. So what's the pshat? What's the pshat? Shining because of wisdom can shine a person's face. That is the idea. Uh, it was like a glow that Rebuda had on his face. Says the Gemara a little bit more. There was a tzaduki said Rebuda. Your face, which is shining, is either pshat is you're you're so good in business, you must be rich. How does a person get rich? Either you lend with interest, which is a great lucrative business, or you raise pigs and you sell pigs. Evidently, that was a good business. So I'm like Rebuda said, "Be No, it's not true for Jews. Both of those things are forbidden. That's not the reason I'm glowing. I have 24 different uh, outhouses that I pass between my house and get on the way to the base madrash. I make 24 stops along the way from my house to the base madrash. And he uses them so much, and that, that's his shining face. Very, very interesting idea. So the Gemara, the, the, the Achronim already say that what's going on? A minute ago, the Gemara just said the Rav does was because of the Chachma, because of the wisdom. That's what makes shining. Now he's saying it's because of all these other, uh, all these other, all these other different things. So bottom line is, they say basically it was a certain, uh, it was a certain type of an excuse here, but. Bottom line is, Rav Yudha was very impoverished and his Torah was very strong and his face made him shine. I think that's the main, uh, main takeaways. Says the Gemara, Rav Yudha would go to the base measure. He used to carry a jug on his shoulders. He used to bring his own, his own jug. Amar, he said, That's good. A labor that gives honor to the one who does it is the best type of labor. What is he trying to say? When he came to the base measure, nobody else had a chair. Everybody would sit on the floor and had chairs. Rebuda carried his jug, so he was able to sit on the jug. So he's saying to say, even though normally you say, like, what is the guy doing carrying on this jug? But Lamaisa, that malacha, even though I'm doing it to the jug, it ends up in the inverse honoring me, because then everyone else sitting on the floor. Ah, look at me. I'm a chubba de kamench. I could sit on a chair. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Shimon once carried a basket to sit on. Amar, the same thing. Go to malacha, Shemachadez is All right, one more story here about Rebuda's poverty. To visit Rebuda's wife went out to the market. And she bought wool. Of the she made an amazing coat out of it. In other words, everybody needs one good coat, right? So she made a, a woolen coat. She would go out to the market, she would wear it. If her would go out to Davin, he needed a chash of a bag. He would go out and wear it. So they were sharing it. When he would wear it, he made a bracha. So fascinating because we make a bracha, a different one, then Hashem clothes us, right? There's a Andra Nusuch over here on his bracha. So what happens? Rabbi Gamliel made a fast. They Rabbi also made a tanisa. Rabbi didn't come to Davin. So I'm in lay. Everyone said, "Lois like suya." You know why he didn't come? He didn't come because he had nothing to wear. The Achronim explained, "Pshat is his wife was out and she had the cloak, so he didn't have anything respectable to wear. So therefore, he didn't come." 
So Shalik Lima Vlokiba Shum Gamliel, who was the rich Nasi, he sent Rabbi Yuda a garment. Rabbi Yuda didn't accept it. Top of the Amr Aleph, Dali Tzipsa. So he wanted to show, basically, Rabbi Shum Gamliel sent a messenger to come get Rabbi Yuda. And Rabbi Yuda was trying to show the messenger why he wasn't. Uh, why, why he didn't want to accept the garment. So what did he do? He lifted up some of the, the mat that he was sitting. He, he lifts up the mat, and you know what was there? It's a wild thing. It just You have to like fill, fill in a little bit, because the Gemara doesn't say. It just says he picked it up. So if you look at the rush, the rush says, and there were tons of golden coins that were under the mat, meaning a miracle occurs. He picks up the thing, and there's a whole treasure chest of coins, which are there, a miracle. So he said to the messenger, look what's here, meaning that's how the rush figured it out. He picked it up, and he said, look what's here. He's trying to say, if I want to buy a cloak, I can go buy my own cloak. Now, Hashem just sent me all these golden coins. But I don't want benefit from this world. So the same way I'm not going to use these coins, I'm not going to accept your gift. Meaning to say, I want only from what I'm able to. I know I'm impoverished. I know this. I'm waiting for my eschar and all of my ball. That was reviewed this perspective. So just as I have all these coins here, I'm not going to use, I'm not interested in accepting the Nazi's cloak. I'd rather just live the way that I'm able to.